1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And we are diving into the mailbag. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. And I thought this comment was interesting. It's from Elliot Love, L U V. says, Dennis Allen put together a coaching staff that would give him complete control. Even Pete Carmichael will probably have less control over play calling. Can someone talk about that? We did spend a good bit of this podcast, the first segment, going over the coaching hires. But I do think that's not necessarily true. He hired some people that he knew, but if you're looking to for a coaching staff that's going to kind of bow down to you and be yes men and do whatever you ask them to do without questioning it and not give advice and not give feedback and and generally not be a part of the process and for the head coach to have complete control and and all this i'm not hiring a bunch of guys with 20 and 30 years of coaching experience right like i'm hiring the young guys so in that sense i don't i don't think that's what's going on right i don't think that you hire guys who have been coaching football for 30 years
3: if your hope is that they won't challenge you on stuff you're doing. For me, the, the second part of it, too, I don't really necessarily think that Carmichael's going to have less control over play calling either. I would like him to. Right. I, I hear you, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Who, who's, gonna, who's taking over as play caller for the offense? And then what is Pete doing as offensive coordinator? Well, he'd be doing the same job he was doing under Sean
2: for his entire career. So I I don't see that as like he, he has plenty to keep him to keep him busy without calling plays on game day. If you decided to go and say, okay, Ronald Curry, call the offensive plays, you know, you, I mean, who knows if Ronald Curry is better than Pete in that regard, like he's different in this. So like, maybe that's enough, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm hoping that they do make some changes to how they operate on offense, but I don't anticipate Pete giving him play calling, um, unless something crazy happens. No, that that's another thing. The biggest change on offense might be the QB, obviously. Right. This is Jason Brown Pete Carmichael isn't Sean McVay though. That's the difference. He's kind of re- he's referring to kind of the comparison between Matt Stafford and Derek Carr in the sense that Matt Stafford ended up on the Rams and they had immediate success. So they won a Super Bowl, right? It's the only example other than Tom Brady that you can find in at least the last few decades where somebody got to a new team and immediately won a Super Bowl, right? Tom did it with the Bucs. Matt did it with the the Rams. So in that sense, they are both at the top of that list of, of like, okay, what's the goal? You did it. You know, like if you have any goal of signing with a new team, it would be to win a Super Bowl in year one. That has to be the top goal. I don't know what you could have higher than that, but if there's something higher than that, you're doing it wrong. And so, yeah, like, you'd want to be able to say maybe Derek Carr can have that type of effect on his new team. But yes, Sean McVay is kind of this offensive wizard. And I don't know if you would say that about Pete Carmichael. I don't know how you if you would say that about kind of this head coaching regime. So it's a good point, right? Like, part of what made Matt Stafford successful was not just being Matt Stafford. It was suddenly getting to work with Sean McVay, a guy who I would argue was Handcuffed by Jared Goff for a long time. The only positive in that relationship was Jared would never question anything he wanted him to do. He would just do it. He would just, you know, he'd literally call the plays in his helmet.
3: But yeah, I think it's a good point. Yeah, t- to me too. I think the the situation, obviously, that this was, you know, the the old Detroit when Stafford was around over there. Things were obviously different there, but he was in an organization that was just in that whole mired losing culture.
2: Yeah, it, it is a good example in the sense that. Matt Stafford, I think if you looked at his Lions career, you would say he's never done anything. He's never accomplished anything to make you feel like he should be a go-to guy on another franchise, right? Like, why are you suddenly deciding this now? Well, I think he proved that he's more than capable. And this was a clear instance of an organization subverting a winning caliber quarterback success. So, in that sense, I think that's, if you are Derek Carr, that is a comparison you would
3: want because you want to be able to say the same thing about yourself. Right. I know we've talked to, uh, you know, a few folks that covered, obviously, Carr with the Raiders and uh, Hondo Carpenter was the one that mentioned that his goal, A number one, is to be back in Vegas next year, but for the Super Bowl, that's pretty, you know, pretty bold and interesting. I, I, I Obviously, you love to hear that. I think everyone would say that,
2: right? Yeah but only Tom Brady and, and Matt Stafford have yeah. actually done it. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I mean, and, and like, I actually would have to go back and look at some of these old examples on this list. I don't think we ever went through them, but like guys like Randall Cunningham, Warren Moon, Vinnie Testaverdi, Joe Montana, Jim McMahon, Doug Williams, Jim Plunkett, Ken Stabler, Craig Morton, and Fran Tarkenton are the ones I identified hey, who went Martin, to new teams yeah. and had success. But I do think, It was so different for a lot of these guys, with the exception of maybe Randall Cunningham. That's kind of unfair because it was 1997. Like, cutting it off at 2000 feels kind of arbitrary to like, was the league that much different in 2000 to what it was in 97 compared to what it is now? I don't know. But that's the list of the old guys. Do you remember Randall Cunningham?
3: Yeah, I mean that was definitely as a kid, grown up as an Eagles fan was, you know, my my favorite quarterback, and I was definitely devastated when they moved on from him, kind of thing, and seeing him have success though with the Vikings, there there was just something about you talk about escapability about it with a quarterback, and he was really kind of like a almost like superhero powers where he had that flexibility and ability to stay balanced and on his feet was just amazing with a with an arm that was was pretty incredible i'm i'm very happy though with where the uh actually you know the organization obviously is now with jalen hurts just unfortunate i don't know if we're gonna ever see that kid in the super bowl again kind of thing
2: yeah it, it is kind of funny it's like you look at it it's kind of like you know when the thunder got to the finals with durant and westbrook and harden and Ibaka, he, and you were like
3: thought, right
2: you're like oh, the first of many and then they never got back again um and so like that's where Jalen Hurts is right now like this team you're like oh man they're going to be there every year but that's just not how pro sports works like things turn over and and circumstances change and so hopefully they can get back cuz i think he played well enough to win that super bowl
3: yeah that's that's why i missed the last podcast i was still in mourning and i i as good as he did play though jeff how jeff, can you ball. just how can you drop that ball yeah
2: kadarius tony is the it won that game for the Chiefs. Like we're going to talk about Pat Mahomes, he's going to be the hero. Everyone's going to interview Travis Kelsey. Kadarius Tony changed that game with that kick return. Unbelievable, like, right? Like you talk about teams and why they might prioritize a returner. Well, it's like that game changed the Super Bowl. Like it was back
3: and forth, and then all of a sudden, the Chiefs score, get the ball back at the four. Uh, the Philly, the Philly defense that was so talked about and vaunted too did absolutely nothing. But but that's also the like the philly defense wasn't on the field for
2: that <laughs> kick return right you, no, you were no. able to you were able to damage that team without the defense ever getting on the field and like that kadarius tony pickup is like mind-bogglingly good for them it's the second time in recent years that the giants had drafted a first a guy in the first round and then he was not on the team within like 2 years and ended up on the chiefs the other one was deandre baker who got arrested for like robbing somebody and then the case got dropped but he had already been released from the Giants and the Chiefs signed him. He wasn't good there either. He was a bust. But it's just kind of funny that that's like the Chiefs go to. Um speaking of of decisions, H-Town Creole says Saints need a complete rebuild. Anything else is a delusion. This team is old with little talent and a high cap. I would like to see this team re- like honestly, I wish they had rebuilt 2 years ago. But that's just not how this team operates. Like They're going to keep going for it. So you kind of have to live with it. And that's where I think the frustration creeps in. If If I'm thinking of it from a fan perspective of like, what's the goal here? You know, like you talk about how Derek Carr's goal was to get back to the Super Bowl. It doesn't feel like this team is operating necessarily with the Super Bowl, with the goal of winning a Super Bowl. It feels like this team is operating with the goal of winning a bad NFC South. And that's what's frustrating to me. Is like, I get it, you don't want to be a losing franchise, but at the same time, the mediocrity is almost worse than being a a bottom scraping franchise. Because then at least you get a chance at a Joe Burrow or you know, a Justin Herbert or a Deshaun Watson or a Pat Mahomes or whatever you name it, Josh Allen keeps going. Like being in the middle in that awkward QB hell stage where you just like bring in the Jake Plumbers of the world just to annoy that. Uh, I can't remember who it was that got mad at me. That's that's where you get frustrated. So I understand where you're coming from, but I also just don't expect this team to ever go that route um,
3: unless it happens naturally. And, and there's no – even if you pick that quarterback early, obviously there's still no guarantees. There's There's been plenty of swings and misses we all know about. I just – there's got to be some kind of plan, obviously, though, in place a quarterback. You can't just be left – stranded and deserted like right now. There was just never kind of there was never there's never been a QB developmental program, I guess you could say, from a draft perspective from this team. Nope. And here's a
2: good kind of comment on that. Jason Brown again. He says, I feel like DA wants to win like that 01 Ravens team. Just get a QB that does just enough to win and then let the defense dominate. I agree. But at the same time, if that was the case, then you would have just gone with Taysom Hill in the first place. Like they are clearly trying to find someone who is a little more with a little more upside than a Taysom Hill. But like I, I I think it is interesting because I think there is an argument to be made that you would have been more successful last season if you did just go with the simple kind of veer offense and just ran the ball down people's throats and then tried to defend leads. Um, but they didn't. I, they I, they wanted a more explosive
3: quarterback. So yeah. I'd say one big problem though with trying to cram the ball down folks' throats though was the offensive line, you know, getting banged up and that, that didn't help, obviously.
2: Well, yeah, but like that was a decision you could have you would have made early on. Prior like, to right. I'm just yeah. saying in the sense that they chose not to go that route. Like from the beginning, they didn't even give Taysom a shot. Like it was at the draft combine last year that DA was like, Yeah, we're gonna work him in more as a tight end. So it was like never he was never in consideration. To be the quarterback. And that was interesting to me because I thought that when you look at the most success DA had was in that week 15 game, beating the Bucs nine to nothing, right? Like if Taysom was the starting quarterback in week two, you could have won that game the same way, right?
3: Like it was the same exact game. Shoot, you might have had a be- you had a definitely a better chance that week three game two in Carolina. Yeah. I'm just saying
2: like. The way you won that week fifteen game against the Bucs, nine to nothing, the game in week two at the Superdome was the yeah. exact same game. The right. difference is you threw you threw pick six and like you you
3: you tried to get aggressive because you weren't defending a lead. Anyway. No, th- there was a lot of things we sw- Jeff. There were so many questions with this offense that why are they doing this? And then it's like okay, then I see the plan here. They're going this way, and then if it worked in one game, it seemed the plan changed in the next. I I, I really. Was confused with the usage of Taysom this season, even though he he. If you look at the stats and the numbers, he did obviously get plenty of touches because he 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 was the one guy the guy getting them to the end zone for this team. But there was just nothing else. The funny thing is, he threw the ball more than I was expecting, which is <laughs> kind of funny he definitely kind of catched the ball more than I thought he was
2: gonna. Here's Dustin One Five Six, who's not a Taysom fan. He says Taysom is a fumble machine, and you know this is actually an interesting question because. Jason Hill had a very crazy fumble-prone season. But beyond that, he's actually been very protective of the football.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: But, like, he had, like, 12 fumbles in
3: the 2020 season. And it was wild. I'm trying to find it. I just remember this, this season when Mark Ingram fumbled early on I thought it was uncharacteristic, I said, of him, and everyone jumped down my throat saying, oh, he's coughed up the ball a bunch in the past, and I just had not remembered it like that.
2: No, he has he not, right. So he had 10 fumbles, 10
3: not some- fumbles lost, just fumbles
2: total, in the 2020 season. He's never had more than two in any other year, <laughs> which is like, but like he was crazy fumble prone in that one season, which is kind of strange. Like, how does that happen? I, it was also the season that he got his most extended run as a starting quarterback, so that's part of it too. But it wasn't just that. He was fumbling all the time, regardless of whether he was starting. It was just a weird season for him. Um, but I don't think that like he is necessarily fumble-prone like in general. Like He didn't fumble at any key points this year. I think the two fumbles here were, were bad snaps. Like One of them was against the Falcons. If you remember, he got fourth and one under center, and he fumbled. Like That was one of the fumbles, so just an example. I would not characterize Taysom as as a fumbler. But except for that one year where he did nothing but fumble. So okay. like I understand why it's a critique. You said how many were there again? Ten. And how many were lost though? I'm not sure. I'd have to, okay. uh, it's it's tough. But I still, yeah, yeah putting the track ball track on the ground people. ten times is a lot, obviously. Yeah, he he put the ball on the ground constantly <laughs> that year, which is just kind of strange because he that it actually hasn't been something he's done a lot of. And you would think this year with that early rib injury, it could be an issue, but it wasn't. Well he did it, yeah. He was dealing with a rib. Yeah. Here's the total truth. Todd Shaw says, Hopefully, the Saints don't let Denver cotton them out of hill. Peyton is a foe, not a friend. Don't get it twisted. Personally, I'd like to see the Saints get fields. It would work. Can't be scary. I don't know about the what the last part means. I think he's saying can't be scared. If Denver showed up and offered like a fourth-round pick, Taysom Hill would be gone so fast. (laughs) I'm sorry.
3: Like I agree.
2: Like if if they if the Saints found a way to turn Taysom Hill into a legitimate asset, knowing that he's Sean Payton's guy, he's in Denver, and I, I, I think, love Taysom Hill. But like, you'd be crazy to not just say, you know what, Sean, have your guy. It's the same reason I'm not mad at Zach Street for leaving. Like, oh, he's a Sean Payton guy. He can go hang out with Sean Payton.
3: Yeah, and, and it's a, one of those things too. It's like I I think a lot of po- folks are. They, they don't know what to uh uh case him hey you know hill is actually 32 years old he's really not that young no right i well, feel like folks yeah, think he's like a 27 28 year old
2: yeah it's the byu thing where you come into the league late. but yeah he's not a young guy and while like yeah like he was a very effective part of the offense last season he's not your future at quarterback and so if you can turn him into a you can turn a udfa who you're still trying to figure out how to use into a fourth round pick i'm taking it
3: No, plus, obviously, we know, you know, trying to free up as much cash space as you can. And yeah, I I think that a fourth round pick, I I would actually jump at that for compensation for Taysom. Here's more Taysom. Is Kermit the Frog here?
2: Uh, All I'm saying is we're not winning a chip with the current roster, so why sign Carr or anything to some stupid contract when we can start Taysom and tank for the future and fix the defense and coach? Well, for one, because the head coach who's here right now is has no interest in getting himself fired to appease the fans. So he's not gonna do that. But I do think that, you know, at a certain point, the contract that you're having to dump on Derek Carr doesn't make sense, and you will be forced to consider a cheaper alternative. And Taysom is one of those. I don't think he would be the alternative if you went down that road, but he's on the roster. So if you did decide it, you could do it. I don't think it's likely.
3: Actually, we're setting stuff up for Sports Talk with the news of Alvin Kamara's indictment in Las Vegas for for that whole fiasco. Is Wait, what happened? Alvin Kamara got indicted along with Didn't four he? others. Yeah. Like now? Breaking news here on Inside Black and Gold. Uh,
2: so yeah, yeah was just right, sorry. I
3: right. was buried in my phone looking to get a guest for the other show.
2: Yes. All right. So yeah, that's going to be something I'll have to get on that shortly. But all right. Right. Got a couple more here. Randy Savage still wants them to sign Drew Brees as the QB's coach. He's not. So one thing that we know about Drew Brees is he's not interested in coaching because he told us.
3: Whatever the macho man wants, we must listen to Randy Savage. You think that's the real Andy Savage? (laughs) No, he's dead. Allegedly.
2: (laughs) Um, There's Kermit again. Tasting better than Tebow. Well, yeah, that's probably true.
3: Absolutely. I I mean, there were still parts of Taysom that we're still seeing a quarterback because obviously he's, he's productive. There was just nothing with Tebow. Although it'd be, you know what? I would love to see, like, if see to see what Sean Payton kind of could have concocted with Tebow in his prime kind of thing. Tebow, there's a reason they didn't bring him back as the quarterback.
2: No, I know. He had agreed to be a tight end. He would,
3: he would be, he would have been Taysom. Right. Right. If he could have, if he, if he could have been the original quote unquote Swiss army knife, total
2: truth Todd Shaw so this is we can close on this uh cuz i think it's a good it's a good point it says every free agent quarterback isn't worth 30 million plus just because the market says so don't do it how many super bowls we've been to that would be the only way to spend that kind of money the core is young you know i would argue that the every quarterback on the market is worth what the market says they are and money isn't real gold is a rock that we pulled out of the ground and <laughs> as long as you feel like that quarterback can win you games, you're going to pay him whatever it takes it's the most important position on the field. And you don't get cheap when it comes to the quarterback position. That said, I agree. Not every free agent on the market. Like I'm not dropping a bag on Geno Smith. It's nothing against Geno Smith, but if anyone's going to drop a bag on Geno Smith and it's not the team that he's already playing for, I think that should tell you something about whether it's worth dropping a bag on Geno Smith. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's only four quarterbacks that are technically free agents who are going to be in the range of 30-plus million. It's Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Lamar Jackson. Everyone below that, I think, and that includes Jimmy Garoppolo and Jameis, I think they're going to get in the range of 20, 25.
3: Yeah, when you go through that, obviously the clear name that doesn't belong in all of that to me was Lamar Jackson, who's clear and you know head and shoulders above everyone, ev- everyone else mentioned in that pack. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no question, no question. I'm
2: just, I'm just saying,
3: like he's that's the list of the thirty million dollar. It's just amazing though that everybody else kind of gets lumped along with that for the price of a starting quarterback in the NFL nowadays. I mean, it's just absurd.
2: Yeah, I agree with that, Dustin. We can. I, I lied. We'll close on this, Dustin. One five six. What do y'all think about Taylor Heineke? I think he's not that good. I think he's okay. I think he's average. I, I think, think he's, he's good
3: I think he's good in like a backup Andy Dalton kind of role, like right in, in case of emergency. Break glass,
2: right? Case Keenum, right? Like I, I, think that's who he is, and and there's nothing. I mean, you need that. I'm, I'm not trying to talk down about the guy, but that's just that's who he is, and if he can have a case a career like Case Keenum, that's probably a win for him. But yeah, he's not he's not a guy I would consider bringing
3: in as a starter. D- definitely not. That's uh, that's definitely someone though that you have on for QB depth. I, I don't see that as. I wouldn't turn my nose up to that at all either just because he's still a relatively young guy too that has experience in the game, obviously.
2: Right, like you you see teams that have to go to their backup quarterbacks, right? Like look at the 49ers this year, <laughs> right? Like like you, teams need that valuable backup quarterback who your starter goes down and you still feel like you can go win a game. I put him in that range. Like when I say he's a backup, I don't mean like he's a, he's a useless quarterback, but... Yeah. Like, look at Gardner Minshew for the Eagles, right? Like, he's a high-value backup as well. I don't know if I'd want him as a starter, but if if I need to throw someone in at halftime and have a chance to win, he's not a bad option. So that's kind of where I put Taylor Heineke, too. And, I mean, he's had his chances. It's not like he hasn't had chances to, to, to win that job, but they're going to go with Sam Howell next year. So, you know, I think that, like, when the team kind of moves on from you, I think that's pretty telling. And then when you're moving on from the team like
3: Derek Carr is the better question is now we what's the next landing spot for Carson Wentz? Hopefully not new Orleans.
2: <laughs> I don't know how many more landing spots there are left for this exactly, guy. Like, right. I mean, how many teams are going to pick trick themselves into thinking that he's going to
3: be that we, the, the Nick Foles, super bowl winning Carson Wentz. Yeah. We, we can snap him out of his head case and restore him to his once MVP caliber glory before yeah. his injury. And yeah, he's just never been the same dude. <laughs> not how it works in real yeah. life.
2: But all right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here. I said I wanted to keep it close to an hour. Instead, we got to 90 minutes. So it's going to be a tight squeeze to try to get this edited. But hey, this is that's the game we play. Anything, any parting thoughts, Steve, before we get out of here? I hope you catch a shoe tonight. Shoes. Let's get some shoes. All right, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't, hit the like button, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that. Leave a rating, leave a review don't leave a one-star review unless you tell me why. And if you tell me why, I'm going to complain about it.
3: Love you guys. Keep helping us grow, man. Bye.